0: Welcome to the Groningen a Feminist Network podcast. For anyone who doesn't know us, we are a community-led network of like-minded people inclusive of all gender identities, sexualities, races, religions, ethnicities, education, class, and abilities. The GFN meets every Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock at Jimmy's to create a safe space for discussion. Our monthly podcast episode goes more in-depth about a topic we've discussed in the meetings. At GFN, we expect everyone to be respectful of each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt, That said, if you think we said something wrong, leave us a comment. Have fun. Okay, so welcome to this interview, conversation, chats. Um, Maybe we can introduce the people who are at the table, for the people who are listening. um, I always introduce myself with my name and my pronouns. My name is George, my pronouns are they, them, and with me today are... Um, Inge. Uh, My
1: pronouns are uh, she and her. And um, should already... Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm here in Groningen uh, today and, and I was here yesterday um, for the conference on um, diversity and inclusion um, to present my doctoral research about sexual well-being uh, of women with spinal cord injury. And I'm Clemence, Clem for short. My pronouns
2: are she and her and I'm a journalism student here helping out with
0: the Yeah. Um, yeah. So today we're gonna have a couple of uh, guests come in and talk about the work they've been doing and presenting at the Lustrum. So today we've got Inga. Um, I don't know. Do you want to like ask the questions or like read sure. the question?
2: All right. Uh, so we're gonna first kick off with a general question. Um, so this year's Lustrum event was centered around the themes of diversity and inclusivity.
1: What do those terms mean to you? Hmm. Hmm, (laughs) that's a good question. Um, I think it's something that we haven't quite achieved yet, not enough Mm -hmm. uh, in society. Um, In my work and my personal life, I I mainly focus on um, structural and social dimensions of exclusion, of people who look different, move differently. But I think it's not utopia either. I think if we all kind of do things we can do, small things. um, Yeah, I guess people would call me a a dreamer or or being naive. Um, But I think hope is is what we need to achieve. Inclusion of everyone. And in your opinion, how
2: would you set about achieving this inclusion or diversity? uh, uh, Sorry, um, inclusivity. Uh, what what practical steps can we
1: take to achieve that? Um, what steps can we take to achieve inclusivity? Um, I think it starts with yourself, mm-hmm. um, being reflective about um, your own attitudes and your own being in the world. Um, trying not to judge, however difficult that mm-hmm. might be. Uh, like not going in in response or in reaction, but actually create from what you want to see happening in the world. Um, I know it sounds quite vague, but I, I think that it's quite the essence for me. Start with yourself.
2: That's a good start. I think that's a really good step to take uh, before you change the world. Change yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, thank you. Um, yeah, I think maybe we can. I I think it's also a really nice place to start because. Um, in your research as you presented it yesterday you talked also a little bit about how you were very reflective in how you were going to do that research Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about feeling a sense of writer's block with the traditional methodologies um, and specifically around sort of this idea of the research population as an object rather than a subject and and as a very like uh, I think you talked about essentializing them versus humanizing your population or the research population as a whole, could Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that and your research generally maybe for the people who weren't at the conference?
1: Yeah, um, like even the word population gives me um, Mm. goosebumps in a very, very bad, nauseating sense, Mm -hmm. Um, because that word in itself already um, kind of implies that there is a static, Group of people with borders, boundaries. Um, Whereas I, in my research, um, I started from working with women with spinal cord injury. um, But I've always seen um, the spinal cord injury not as their major identifying feature. Um, And I see people as being on a continuum, continuum from perfectly able bodied to near dead. And everyone is on that continuum for me there's no such thing as, as disability and able-bodied because we're always um, temporarily uh, somewhere um, and as you said i did experience a writer's block um, when i got to writing up my dissertation um, because in my research the way i collected data in within quotation marks was just wandering with participants conversing with them moving with them um, having very um, organic conversations about what intimacy meant to them, uh, about how free they felt in their bodies. Um, and they had given a face to literature, to what you read about people with so called disabilities, um, or to women. Um, and it was very hard for me to actually put that down in words, because I knew I was forced to describe them as, to, to describe some example as women with spinal cord injury. Um, because that would be important, I assume, for my jury, but there was so much more to me than, than that. There were women in the first place, and human beings. Um, so that's what I indeed described as trying to refrain from essentializing my, or the people I work with.
2: Mm-hmm. And if, uh, why um, specifically women with spinal injuries, and why not men
1: and women? Good question um, well first of all um, my drive to start this research was my own um, lived experience of being a woman with spinal cord injury and just noticing that sexuality intimacy was something that was rarely talked about um, I've been living with my injury since I was two two years old and it's only when I was 23 um, that I so, I was nauseous, I had headaches, I've, I've always felt that I was fainting, so I went to the GP for a couple of years, and it's only when I was 23 that that GP actually suggested, Oh, but you might be pregnant. Like, that was the first reference in my life to my potential sexuality, and it's, it's then that I actually realized, Wow, I haven't, or I never had this question before. Um, so that's why I started my research. Um, and then obviously I, I wanted to expand, um, but then my supervisor told me, know, yeah, don't be too ambitious, you know, men and women with spinal cord injury, there's probably lots of different things going on affecting their sexual well-being. Um, so I also try to uh, narrow down uh, your, your sample. Um, and in the end I think that was um, generalized a good decision. Um, but I, I think I now regret um, not expanding the, uh, the category of spinal cord injury. Uh, because what I found in my research is that um, my research participants felt limited very often in, in um, their potential to um, express their sexuality uh, due to the materiality of their bodies, bodies that felt differently or did not feel as much as before, uh, were less mobile. But on top of that materiality, there were so many norms, the conditioning that we were all exposed to, uh, about when and mm-hmm. where and to what extent and to what goal and with whom to have sex. And um, that is just not very applicable to women with have injury. I think it's something that is applicable to all of us. Okay. That was a very long answer to well, that, that question. Well, <laughs> so it's so very informative. I think
2: that was very formative Because it's making me think of a, a new another question now of... Why is um, I suppose why is sexuality such an important component then? Why why sexual, sexual, sexual excuse me, sexual well being. Um, no. Mm? No. What I mean is, um, for example, why focus on the sexual well being aspect of people with spinal cord injury rather than rather than uh, I don't know emotional or psychological or do they all tie in?
1: Hm. Oh well, I, I think they're definitely related. Um, but as I, um, I've only briefly um, talked about it yesterday, Um, when it comes to attention for sex and disability uh, in research, media, healthcare, education, um, it's only since the Second World War that there was attention for um, the rehabilitation of men with spinal cord injury. It took another 40 years for actually female voices to put on the agenda. When it comes to sexuality and um, feminist activists such as Anne Finger, um, they actually ask the question how come that um, the disability studies, uh, disability uh, activist movement, how come that they haven't politicized sexuality to the same extent as they have politicized uh, structural access um, and transportation and attendance services and so on? So, sexuality is something that has been a taboo for so many years, Uh, and certainly since the mid 90s, um, that sexuality has been put on the agenda.
0: Thank you very much. Would you like to ask the next question? Yes. Um, So, when you came with this feeling of um, the sort of restrictions of research in terms of like humanizing uh, a group of people that you're Studying in, in quotes right because you also wanted to sort of you came to your research actually through uh, natural organic conversations as you just said mm-hmm. um, you also I think Really changed your methodology around quite an unorthodox way or an untraditional way of doing methodology not only in research methods, but also in terms of uh, how you presented it and I thought it was quite funny you were t- saying that I um, you had a, a several stories and in the end you decided to focus uh, for a, a, a sort of case study mm-hmm. of one person's story because it was a very particular story that you couldn't really place in togetherness with other stories that you talked about and that your supervisor, who had in the meantime moved into a medical setting, was mm-hmm. very uh, shocked by this kind of, um, yeah, this sort of presentation of it as a, a case study as not being representative maybe enough for research. How did you deal with this sort of idea of, of or this experience of doing non normative research or research that really, like, you know, like not only broke the boundaries of, like, I think, subjects that are talked about, um, but also just in terms of how you're talking about and how you're doing your research?
1: I think I was really lucky um, with both of my supervisors um, because uh, the supervisor who was really in, in, in the medical uh, domain. Um, Although I got a blank face when I first introduced that I was first working with 10 participants and then only with four and then with one. <laughs> um, he was quite open-minded and he came to see the value of really diving deeply into the complexity of someone's um, stories. And then my other supervisor, he was just really a coach and he, he just um, pushed me to actually uh, follow, follow whatever I felt I, that was needed um, to do. Um, he came from the disability studies field and he said, Inge, um, there's so much more need for the voices of people with disabilities to be heard, um, and very often we can't really capture that enough, um, and I guess it's in that, um, I don't really know it's a word, but in that particularity, like, in the particular, you can find the universal. Um, So so by um, portraying Sophia um, to such an extent, I think it made it easier for people, for readers to identify with her um, and to reflect on themselves. To go back to what I said about inclusivity. Um, But yeah, it has been a path of uncertainties, lots of questions, many more questions than than answers. Which led me to the case study, but also to experimenting with poetry and um, theatre to actually uh, represent my my participants' voices. Um, Was that kind of answer to your question?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, for me, I guess um, because you you've tried to really humanize your 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 your, the people who are part of your um, research to. How does that, if at all, conflict with the notion of objectivity? Science has to be objective. Research has to be objective. Uh-huh. Does it? Does it, or does it not? And if so,
1: how? Can it be? I think objectivity is one of the biggest myths <laughs> that um, <laughs> have been around for uh, uh, for way too long. Um, there is no such a thing as objectivity. Not even in very positivist science. Um, as a researcher, whether you're designing the questions, choosing the words, um, selecting the citations, uh, there's always some kind of uh, own backpack of the researcher involved. Um, so yeah, that was quite, um, it's never been my intention to represent the truth. Um, so when I talk about studying the sexual well-being or studying Women with spinal According to I actually mean studying or looking with them at the world, rather than looking at them um,
2: through just like one one-size-fits-all spectrum, maybe like more and indivi-
1: more individual look. Um, I think on the one hand, I was really interested in their stories as human beings, um, and I came to see us as peers, but not peers in disability, but peers in humanity. Um, so I was interested in their stories, and they also wanted to share their stories um, to actually make sure that women of the next generation wouldn't need to go through the same search for. Seeing the body as pleasure and creation rather than as a list of deficits. Um, so there's stories on the one hand, but I was also really interested in the flows affecting those stories. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay,
2: thank you very much.
0: Yeah. So this uh, thing you just brought up is seeing the body as a place of imagination and creation. Mm -hmm. Um, Does this have to do with the concept that I think you also brought up at the conference of uh, imaginative maneuverability? Or do you see this as kind of two different? It's definitely referring to the same thing. Um, So
1: for me, my whole situation can be captured in the concept of imaginative maneuverability, um, which I've used to describe the, um, the extent to which people feel able to, uh, or to which they, the extent to which they can imagine to move within their intimate spaces. Um, so manoeuvres, movements that, mm-hmm. are, that need to be careful, that need, need skill. Um, and I, I guess the research is, is about how free they felt to actually move within, within their bodies and within the environment, the context they mm-hmm. um, need to live in a context that's very often uh, um, characterised by uh, practices of curing and caring and um, the norms that I talked about um, uh, with regard to sexuality in, in, in Western society. Uh, it needs to be full of explosive orgasms, preferably simultaneously, uh, between a man and a woman, uh, two people, like you can't really imagine to be uh, to have a third person present, to assist for example uh, it needs to be quick it needs to be clean uh not leaky uh you know like all, all those factors um and 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 those kind of flows um create boundaries in your spaces and might make it more difficult to move around in your intimate life um, so i guess when there's um Practices of practices of cure and care and norms um, around, around bodily pleasure and uh, gender roles and aging and, and so on. If, if those flows are really present, then it becomes more difficult to see your body as a potential source of pleasure and creation and imagination. Um, and then the feeling of, of your body being inside of constraints might actually be there as well. So it's, it's always a um, um, yeah. Hmm. I guess it's a search between those
0: two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm thinking about like time, because I do you have to go to uh, next appointments, uh, but we were... Uh, so you mentioned yesterday you don't want to just be um, put in the box of a disability researcher also mm-hmm. has disability your PhD is almost done so what's next for you
1: after <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, I was about to say I wish I knew but actually I don't really care like I'm I'm happy that I've finished nearly finished this dissertation and I'm um, just really looking forward to seeing what pops up on my path next um, I'm really triggered to um, continue research in the realms of embodiment and sexuality um, rather than disability because I've, I've come to see disability not as a category, um, it's a construct, it's a very um, artificial construct as well. Um, but I'm really interested in, in the process of disablement and um, uh, things that are opening up as well. Um, I think I'm also trying not to define myself as the researcher with a disability doing research about disability because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I'm so much more more than that and um, um, it's interesting I was at a conference um, a couple of months ago and in my abstract I had um, focused on the deconstruction of sexuality about those norms that are actually affecting <laughs> us um, and might make us feel limited to so I had focused on um, in my ab- ab- in my abstract for that conference. <laughs> it's flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so in my abstract <laughs> about that conference, I had focused on the reconstruction of, the dis- of sexuality rather than its disability. And I hadn't like in that 249 words abstract, I had only used three words that might actually refer to some kind of disability or corporeal difference, mm-hmm. namely spinal cord injury and yet I was categorized or put in the session on living and becoming with chronic conditions Mm. and my uh, fellow presenters they were presenting on HIV and dementia and I was there with my um, Mm. with my research Uh, so I do my whole whole talk and I'm saying like the the, the things that are that the women in my research are influenced um, by are the conditioning layers that we're all um, struggling with Um, And then someone in the the audience asked me, so what was it like for you, um, uh, given your uh, shared identity with your participants to do your research? I was really thinking, have you actually listened to what I was saying? (laughs) Um, And I I asked her, like, do you mean the fact that I have spinal cord injury myself? And she turned red. And um, that was really, for me, um, that's why I came to, um, call a, a chapter in my research the chronic condition of being sexual where sex is, is highly regulated and norm because um, that was actually creating this distance between us and them mm-hmm. um, so even though I don't really identify myself as a researcher with a disability mm-hmm. I feel that I'm often put in the box either yeah. mm-hmm. um, anyway well, we'll see where mm-hmm. I, where I end up Well, we would like
2: to
0: wish you all the best for the future, personal and professional-wise. Before we close, though, um, did you want to talk about a person who inspired you, or a thing that you would like to recommend to others? Um, There's two women
1: uh, in Belgium that I uh, tremendously admire. Um, That is Anaïs van Mm Ertvelde and um, Helene de Bruyne. And they have a podcast as well, and they've written a book. uh, titled Verle Lakers, yep. Dirty Sheets, um, and it's full of essays and podcast podcast is always about um, things that are taboo, they are things we don't talk about, the leaky body, um, oh. uh, in all its delicious leakiness, and um, it is about um, sexuality with corporeal differences, and it, it is about, I guess, everything that we need to talk about more, um, to feel more comfortable. Become who you want to be. Uh, so yes, Van is definitely a, a recommendation. I'll have a look. Definitely, yeah.
0: we always put yeah. also the recommendations in the notes of our show. So
2: perfect. Good. Well, thank you so much thank for you so your much. time. Thank you.